of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hamlety. I must confess, I feel like a terrible tease with this endless build-up to the arrival of the travelling actors. Such is the result of doing the kind of analysis this podcast aims to provide, of course, but I do want to apologise and let you know that no, alas, they won't be showing up this week. They're still trudging along from their dressing rooms to the stage or along Elsinore's seemingly very long driveway. Polonius has come back, to tell Hamlet that they have arrived, but of course Rosencrantz and Guildenstern have already done so. We ended last time with Polonius coming onto the stage with an earnest, well-be-with-you gentlemen. Hamlet has been intimating to the other two that he's not as mad as he seems, but now that they've got adult supervision again, he cranks up the crazy to a new degree. Hark you, Guildenstern, and you too. At each year, a hearer. That great baby you see there is not yet out of his swaddling clouts. Hamlet has warned several people by now that he will be acting like a madman for his own purposes, so this weird description of Polonius being a great baby, still wearing swaddling clothes, familiar to any Christian listening as the fabric in which the infant Jesus was wrapped in the manger. Hamlet certainly sounds curious, describing an adult man, a senior courtier, as such, but cast your mind back to his last encounter with Polonius, in which he spoke about ageing backwards. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern weren't there to hear it, but the audience certainly was. And you yourselves can go back to episode 53 if you need a little check-up on it. Now Hamlet is playing the satirical rogue, reminding the audience of that curious notion we heard earlier, of ageing in the wrong direction, if, like a crab, one could go backwards. Here comes Polonius back again, and Hamlet, delighted with his own joke, reminds us of it. Polonius is now, in the backwards logic he's been playing with, a baby. Rosencrantz, ever the tryhard, plays along, extending the discussion of the baby clothes. Happily, he's the second time come to them, for they say an old man is twice a child. Maybe, he says, he's returned to infancy, since the proverbial wisdom, which Shakespeare himself uses in his Seven Ages of Man speech, suggests that old age is a second childhood. I saw a lovely version of this moment once, wherein Rosencrantz and Guildenstern both laughed enthusiastically at this comment, while Hamlet looked at them as if they were the mad ones. Polonius is surely by now well onto the stage and into their presence, so Hamlet moves things along by guessing what it is he has to say. He then makes up some nonsense to cover up the fact that they've been talking expressly about Polonius. I will prophesy he comes to tell me of the players. Mark it. You, you say right, sir. A Monday morning. T'was so indeed. Polonius has certainly reached them by now, and has to interrupt Hamlet's false bit of prattle about Monday morning. My lord, I have news to tell you. Hamlet mocks him outright, repeating his words and adding what seems like another peculiar non-sequitur. My lord, I have news to tell you. When Roscius was an actor in Rome. This and the lines that follow all happen in very quick succession, but it's worth breaking them down somewhat because, as ever, there's a lot going on. 
Polonius is here to tell Hamlet that the travelling players have arrived. Indeed, that's what he says in his next line. The actors are come hither, my lord. But Hamlet already knows this. So instead, he's trying to mess with Polonius with this odd little line about Roscius being an actor in Rome. Quintus Roscius was one of the most famous actors in ancient Rome. It's worth noting that the major ancient dramatic influence on Elizabethan theatre was Roman rather than Greek. Ancient Greek drama had not enjoyed quite the resurgence it has had since the late 19th century, and Seneca, greatest of the Roman tragic poets, was the key figure. As such, Hamlet refers to Roscius, a Roman actor, rather than Thespis, the most famous name in ancient Greek tragedy. For the record, super nerd comment here, there's a very interesting contemporary play by Philip Massinger called The Roman Actor, and there's a link with more information about it on the show notes page of the website. So, here's Hamlet saying this random line about a Roman actor right when he knows that Polonius is on the brink of talking about actors too. Hamlet is simultaneously trying to undermine Polonius and make him think that he's crazy. As soon as Polonius gives his news that the actors are arriving, Hamlet dismisses him, saying, Buzz, buzz. This interjection was particularly reserved for people saying something that everybody already knew. A well-worn story, or old news, or anything boring that doesn't need to be repeated. Polonius is surprised, and maybe even a little bit insulted, and he says, Upon my honour! But before the loquacious man can say any more, Hamlet has continued, saying, Then came each actor on his ass! For my money, this is a follow-up line to the Roscius one. When Roscius was an actor in Rome, there came each actor on his ass. It's about a rival. It's about actors making their entrance. And it's an excuse for Hamlet to say the word ass as pointedly as an actor might choose, presumably with some kind of a nod to Polonius. All of this exuberant exchange, Hamlet interrupting Polonius and then interrupting himself, is very fast and barely gives Polonius a moment to respond to Hamlet's little dig. As we've seen earlier in the play, the old man is never shy about speaking, and it seems now that he's excited to announce the arrival of this marvellous troupe, regardless of what the young prince has been saying. In Polonius's ideal world, there would have been no interruption, and his speech would have followed neatly, as he had it in his head, perhaps, after, My lord, the actors are come hither. He would continue, The best actors in the world, either for tragedy, comedy, history, pastoral, pastoral comical, historical pastoral, tragical historical, tragical comical historical pastoral, scene individual, or poem unlimited. Seneca cannot be too heavy, nor Plautus too light. For the law of writ and the liberty, these are the only men. This is a splendid introduction, really, for any theatre company. As Polonius would have it, these performers are the best in the world in just about any genre. He then proceeds to list all the genres he can think of. Tragedy, comedy, history, the three for which Shakespeare is particularly known, and then pastoral, and then a variety of hybrids, pastoral-comical, historical-pastoral, tragical-historical, of which Hamlet announces itself an example, the tragical history of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. Tragical-comical-historical-pastoral follows on the list, which sounds like a very long or very silly kind of a play. We then have seen individable or individable, or poem unlimited. These last two seem to be Polonius' attempts to imply that really this company can do anything. Scene individable might mean a play that has no scene breaks, or one that has even more going on than the previous mad description with all four genres combined. And then Poem Unlimited. 
which the eminent critic Harold Bloom used as the title of his book about Hamlet, suggests a piece of work beyond any category. Polonius insists that Seneca, whose tragedies are notoriously bloody, cannot be too heavy for these performers, nor Plautus, the most famous Roman comedian, too light. Shakespeare himself owes a debt to both of these playwrights. Titus Andronicus is heavily influenced by Seneca, and the Comedy of Errors is an Elizabethan remake of one of Plautus's comedies. As Polonius would have it, these performers are the only men. Dover Wilson, whose book What Happens in Hamlet is a brilliant resource for anyone studying the play, has the lovely suggestion that Polonius is perhaps reading a playbill, or other such advertisement for the actors. This would certainly give a performer something to do with this long and bizarrely enthusiastic list of genres in the text. Even more intriguingly, another critic called Michael Sreegley has suggested that Polonius is reading an acting licence, which goes a great way towards explaining the confusing last line of the little speech, for the law of writ and the liberty, these are the only men. I've put a link to this excellent article on the website. It's called Hamlet, the Law of Writ and the Universities. We have here reached the quota of lines for this episode, and I hope it's not too much of a spoiler if I tell you, I promise you, that next week's episode will end, at last, with the stage direction, Enter the Players. Of course, there will be a variety of strange and intriguing little references that Shakespeare makes between now and then, and I hope you'll tune in and listen for it next week. Until then, thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.